welcome to another edition of the Fish Cast. My name is Corey Long, joined as always by Charles Fishbein. How you doing, Fish? Doing good. We reeled another one in, man. That's right. As always, the most one of the most illustrious guests stopped by the Fish Cast, and today we have second year Marshall head coach Coach Charles Huff. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing great, man. It's uh, it's funny to hear you guys say second year. It almost feels like um, year one all over again, but um, definitely doing well. Excited to be here. Appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. Does it go by that quickly? Does that first year kind of feel like a blur? Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, depending on timing of taking the job and when you're able to get your feet on the ground, that whole deal. Um, but it was good. I enjoyed it. Learned a lot. Uh, we got a lot of work to do, but definitely excited uh, for this next year coming up. Yeah, you know, you know, I'm gonna jump right in. You know, you talk talking about that. Um, you know, being uh, a first time head coach. You know, usually head coaches come through the ranks. They they have to go through the coordinator route. Um, it's changed a lot in college football. Dabo Sweeney, Mario Cristobal, Shane Beamer, now you. Uh, I know there's a few others that didn't go that coordinator route. Um, you know, none of you guys were coordinators. Do you think the mindset is changing amongst administrators now that being a head coach, you don't have to be a coordinator uh, to get that top job, that maybe there's certain things just in general that make somebody a better ca- head coaching candidate, no matter what the situation? Well, I, th- I think it's all really about the fit, right? I mean, if you're looking for, um, someone to come in and be heavily involved with the offense or defense, um, you're probably looking for a coordinator. If you're looking for, um, you know, maybe a, a, a press conference win or a slam dunk hire, you know, you may be looking for the coordinator that was just in the national championship or has had uh, really good offenses or defenses, whatever it may be. Um, I think if you're looking for someone, uh, to come in and kind of be the CEO of the program and the organization and kind of manage things from the, um, you know, from the CEO chair, I think you're probably looking for the best um, well-rounded candidate, you know, so I think it all depends on the right fit, the right situation and what the particular school or search group is looking for. Coach, you know, to get a little bit in, into your, your history, uh, 38 years old, uh, you've had a, uh, this is, I think this 15th or 16th year coaching. And, uh, when I, I dig into your resume, you've, you've worked for some amazing head coaches. Uh, obviously you just comment before you stepped into Marshall, you uh, worked with coach Saban at Alabama. Uh, you spent time with, uh, coach James Franklin at, at several different stops and early in your career, you also worked with, uh, PJ Fleck. When you think of those coaches and the other coaches you've worked with, what are some of the things you've taken from each of them as you've tried to build your own program? Well, I think as you go along, um, you know, you're really a collection of your experiences. Uh, I think that's what each one of us is. Um, you know, obviously we, we experience something and we adapt to it and either decide if this is something that fits me or not. Um, you know, when I was with PJ Fleck, you know, I learned a lot about being yourself. You know, PJ is, is um, high energy. PJ is um, an acquired taste for some. Some people love him. Some people are turned off by his energy. But the one thing that I learned from PJ is be yourself every day. 
Um, you're never going to be able to be, you know, the perfect whatever, you know, everyone's not going to love you. Everyone's not going to hate you. And, and I really got a chance to watch PJ every single day be himself, you know, so the guy that everyone sees and says, oh, man, there's no way he can have this kind of energy every day. That That's him. Um, and I learned that, you know, you got to be yourself. You got to be who you are. That's even with your team, um, because your team is 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 um, subconsciously looking for ebbs and flows in your daily presentation. Um, you know, when I was with James, I learned a lot about the profession. I learned a lot about being a professional. I learned a lot about, um, you know, the detail and organization that it takes um, to be successful and move up. You know, um, I learned a lot about the um, importance of recruiting uh, from James. I learned a lot about um, how to separate yourself in detail. Um, and then when I got with Coach Saban, I learned a lot about the consistency and approach um, and, and the importance of discipline. And, and as monotonous as it may seem, the more consistent um, that you can be or your program can be, the better and more consistent you're going to play. And ultimately, that's what you're looking for. You, you don't want to have one week where you come out and you look like the Pittsburgh Steelers and the next week you look like a high school team. You don't want to have players that have um, those ebbs and flows in their their performance. Um, so the consistency and approach and their discipline to be that consistent. Um, so, you know, you put all that together and you take pieces from everyone that you've been around. Um, you know, I learned a lot from Chan Gailey when I was with the Buffalo Bills, although it was a different um, arena being the NFL um, and, and being in college. But I learned a lot about um, how, how to make it a player's game. Um, and how to get the ball to the players that, that can make plays and that every player is not going to fit into a cookie color uh, model of what you think. So every receiver is not going to be the same. And, and to be a great coach, you got to learn how to adapt to their um, strengths and weaknesses. So I think as you go through life, you know, even in your guys' profession, you know, the people you meet, the people you have on these calls, the people you learn uh, from is, is really a collection of who you become. Yeah, you know, I, I remember you're right about each coach. I remember seeing Coach Saban at a um, FIU satellite camp, and I always was like, man, how does this guy sell Alabama? And then he spoke, and I'm like, I was mesmerized. I, I literally, he hypnotized me to the point I was like, wow, now I know why kids want to play for him. You know, it's not just some old grumpy guy that, like, he literally has so much to tell you. And the way that he tells you, he has a story – to tell in the way that like kids just understand what he's saying. And then, you know, you bring up PJ. I, I I'm a big PJ fan. I'm going to say it. I, I met PJ the first time at uh, Rutgers. Um, I had told a buddy of mine that was a Tampa Bay Bucks fan. I'm like, watch out for this guy. Um, I actually told a head coach to hire him as a offensive coordinator um, or I'm not PJ. <laughs> that was another coach actually, but I just understood like PJ had so much energy and it is real. Like people sit there and they think it's not real. And uh, this is a guy that invited me into his house. And when he was up at Rutgers and they don't understand that that's him. Well, you see on TV, he's a real McCoy. And then, you know, you talk about coach Franklin, the first time I ever met him, it's always the same. Every time I meet him, like he has that smile on his face and he makes you feel like you're like, you've known him for a long time. I've met coaches I'm going to be honest with you. There's a few coaches and I ain't going to mention them. It's like Groundhog's Day. Every time you introduce yourself to them, it's like, hey, it's 
It's like you never met him before, yeah. you know. You, I, and, but that's not Coach Franklin. Like every time you meet him, it's like, hey, what's like? You guys have been friends for thirty years, and it's just you. Each one of them have their own little style, and it all works. Like everybody thinks, oh, you have to be like Saban in the Alabama way. Nah, it doesn't work that way. Every coach has its own style, and that's why you guys have success. I think that's why you're going to have success. I think you know I've known you a long time, and and. I, I think you're going to do a great job there because you know how to uh, one, you're, you're very personable, but you also um, are very professional. You understand your business and what you got to take care of. And, and that's why, um, you know, I have a ton of respect for you coach. So. Thanks buddy. I respect you too. I mean, I know that you can't set up your own podcast, but you, you do a lot of other things. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, if you ever want to hire me on your staff, recruiting stuff and, and, but the technical side, you better have some of them nerds back there, man. Uh, Hire my son. My son's coming in here. He's 12. He's showing me how to make videos with music. I'm like, he goes, dad, what do you think? I'm like, you're a lot better than me, man. (laughs) Corey knows it. Oh yeah. You can also hire him to coach your, uh, coach any of your kids baseball team. He is a good youth baseball coach. We talk about it all the time. Yeah, man. So, <sighs> coach, uh, I want to uh, get back to the get back to uh, the program. Uh, Marshall is a it's a unique job in college football. I've always found it kind of a unique job. Um, it's got some different challenges and other jobs in the FBS, but it's also been a place that has produced amazing, successful football for decades, FCS level and at the FBS level for the past. Wow, we're almost, you know, 25 years now, I think. In your first year, Marshall, what did you really learn about the program and about the expectations and about, you know, the challenges and, and you know, and kind of the strengths in the areas where, you know, where you'd be very strong at? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, one of the things and one of the reasons I was attracted to Marshall was because they have an unbelievable history and tradition and they have a lot of passionate um, enthusiastic fans. Um, one of the negatives about uh, Marshall is they have an unbelievable history and tradition, and they have a lot of passionate, <laughs> enthusiastic fans. Um, I think what happens over time is when uh, programs have had success in the past um, and had really great players and had really great coaches and had really great years um, and had a lot of success. Um, over time, you you become a victim of success. And what does that mean? That means that you just kind of assume that that's what's supposed to happen. Um, you just kind of assume that, you know, we've, we've done it before, we, we can do it again, uh, we should do it again. And along the lines, because, you know, a lot of the, you know, your fan base is, is, um, has been connected to this university for a long time, over time, the game of football changes but your perception and your values of, as a fan don't really stay with the times because you got to think about it. your fans aren't sitting in recruiting meetings. They aren't getting the NCAA recruiting rules. They don't know, you know, the kids that you're recruiting are also now interested in coastal Carolina and app state and Lafayette. And there's D two schools and one double a programs that are recruiting really, really good athletes. Um, you know, we had a little bit of, you know, I, w- I had a little bit of experiences at Penn state, you know, uh, Coach Paterno did a phenomenal job at Penn State and um, and had a, a long run. Well, you know, a lot of those um, kids that went to Penn State 50 and 60 and 20 and 30 years ago, 
um, that was the only school that you went to if you grew up in Pennsylvania. Um, you know, it was no other options, you know, but now because of the way the landscape has changed, there's so many other options. There's so many other schools that are doing a really good job. It's more difficult to get the Randy Moss and the Chad Penningtons to come to Marshall. You know, they're, they're being spread out across, um, across the country. Um, you know, 20 years ago, kids didn't leave their region. You know, it just wasn't something that was done, but now with social media and TV packages, kids can live in Florida and go play in California and, and their parents and family can see them just as if they were across the street. So I think over time it changes. Um, and that's the one thing that I think, you know, that, that, that I've learned, you know, a lot of the um, fans and supporters and, you know, they remember the good times, um, but you have to kind of be very, um, clear explaining the, the changes. That doesn't mean that you're not going to be successful. That doesn't mean they shouldn't have the same passion and energy and enthusiasm and want to win every game and think that they're, you know, that they should be winning every game, but you got to explain to them it's changed. Um, you know, I think what uh, Coach Saban has done at Alabama is probably a minor miracle um, to have the consistency over time um, you know, at a place, you know, that obviously now everyone's chasing, right? And so, the, 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 the brands are the same, but there's more brands. And I think and explaining that to the fans with the reality of, yes, we are still expected to win and we are still expected to, um, you know, produce really, really good talent and have that same energy and passion. Um, but it's changed. It definitely has. You know, I, I think Alabama, you know, what he, we've talked about it on this podcast, what Saban's done at Alabama is unprecedented. I don't think it'll ever be done again. I feel bad for the next coach because the expectations are unrealistic. I, I just think that's what's happened across college football now is expectations. We talk about it. Programs have ceilings and it's nothing against like your program. You guys have to play uh, tougher out of conference games now. So if you, if you're going to, you're going to lose games, it's just the way it works in college football because your schedule's harder. You have to do that. But I just don't think fans understand how hard it is to win eight, nine, to get to 10 wins. If you win 10, you're a very, very good football team. That means everything went right. The ball bounced the right way. People act like all the teams you play don't have talent to this. Like you said, it's not 20 years ago when you guys, had Randy Moss and Chad Pennington. I, I was the biggest Randy Moss fan. I'm still pissed the Cowboys haven't drafted him. Uh, I'm, I'm never going to get over that. Jerry Jones made the biggest mistake, not being a Cowboy fan. I'm like, Greg Ellis, what the heck? I thought we had him. But Randy Moss, when he went there, like Marshall was beating Ole Miss in a bowl game. Like people don't realize like how hard that is to yeah. do for like a, a group of five team like that, that doesn't have nearly the talent. And Moss was a different player and, and fans think, oh, we'll get the next Randy Moss. And I, you, you've seen it, whether it's at, uh, I remember I was talking to a coach, he brought up um, coach PJ Fleck. He had a kid out of um, at Western Michigan. That was a first round pick. And I Great remember, day. yeah, I remember a coach telling me from another school, well, we're not going to recruit Florida anymore because PJ landed, um, you know, that kid. And I'm like, Dude, you guys aren't going to ever pull that kid to the Mac. Like that was just, Everything went your way on Correct. that. The, the fans don't realize those kids don't grow on trees, you know? Correct. And there's so many more options for all of those kids. It's not, you know, 20 years ago, there were a handful of schools and, 
you know, there were, you know, a handful of schools that were really, really good. And there were some that, you know, that, that weren't really good. And the schools that were really, really good, you know, they, they, they kind of dominated. Well, now across the board, there are good programs with really good players all across the country. Um, and it's not, you know, you're not funneling the really, really good players all to one location. You know, you're, you're, there's some really, really good players at one double A. Yeah, and for whatever reason that, you know, they, they ended up at, you know, Sam Houston or Jacksonville state or wherever they may have ended up. Um, they, they could easily be playing here at Marshall at NC state at Purdue or wherever, but it's changed. The landscape's changed. And, and I think fans um, and it's a fine balance, right? Because you should be passionate and you should be enthusiastic about, you know, your school. But I think that you got to look at it just like any other profession, you know, there, there's more than one, a cell phone company now. There's more than one phone company now. There's a, a hundred different phone companies and plans. Um, so there, there's there's multiple options um, for for kids to go to now. So I think you know as we continue to build and we continue to strive in the right direction, we just got to educate fans on what expectations and reality really are. Now, we're you know just tell the fans kind of you know from a recruiting standpoint. Um, where you guys are located. I mean, listen, you'll recruit a kid anywhere if they want to come to Marshall, but where you guys mainly focus um, your attention as far as uh, being where you're at Memphis, um, I mean, Marshall, I know you guys recruit uh, Florida a little bit. Where are some of the other places that you guys like to go and that you've had a, a, a lot of, um, you know, success? Yeah, we, we try to recruit in a five-hour radius of, of, of Marshall, you know, so you just draw a big, you know, five-hour driving radius around Marshall. We do a lot in Ohio. We do a lot in eastern Pennsylvania, excuse me, western Pennsylvania. Uh, we do a lot in, um, you know, Michigan, um, Maryland, D.C., Virginia. Uh, we dip down in North Carolina. Obviously, we do a little bit in Florida. We do a little bit in Texas. And people say, well, why do you go all the way to Florida and Texas to, you know, to to get players well because population wise there's more right so there's more players to pick from than maybe if we just go to um you know western pennsylvania you know there's more players obviously we don't want to spend all our time in you know in texas and florida but there are things and players and and fits that we can get in those places that we may not be able to find in um you know in ohio or in north carolina so we try to focus our you know our our recruiting radius mainly um, around a five-hour driving radius because again we are able to get as much information as possible on those young men there's usually um, some type of connection to Marshall or to West Virginia um, you know when when families are within five-hour radius is rather that's cousin went to Marshall uncle went to Marshall grandfather played at Marshall or, hey I drove by Marshall on my way to you know when you get farther away from home you got to do a little bit more um, research because you don't have as much knowledge on those players, meaning you may not know the high school coach that he played for, you know, um, as well. You may not know, you know, where he grew up. You may not know his uncles and his cousins um, to be able to get all the right information, right? Because it's about information gathering and relationship building. And how do you build a relationship? You got to have a lot of information um, and you don't have a lot of time to do it because you're talking about, especially on the group of five level, you're, you're really only a year out, right? We're not right. truly recruiting 2025s or, you know, two years out. Now, when you're at Alabama, you can narrow your search a little bit. Um, because you're only looking for a very specific player or a specific type. So you can get a couple years out. With a place like Marshall, I can project out three years and I can go offer a high school freshman that looks really, really good. 
well, by the time he's a senior or junior, he's probably moved into the power five um, recruiting rank, rank. So am I wasting my time? And you say, well, if you build a relationship with him, yeah, if I build a relationship with Evan Neal and I'm at Marshall, Evan Neal's still going to go to Alabama, Georgia, LSU, because obviously that's his talent level. So we try to stay a year out because we can put more emphasis and resources into the kids we have a chance to get. Well, I'm going to still send you those young kids anyway, Coach. So. Yeah, it's good. No, it's good. It's good to have, you know, because to me, what it does is it gives you an opportunity to to track them. But in my, I'm not, not going to spend as much time reading, you know, rating, evaluating a, a ninth grader as I am an 11th well, grader. Or junior. No, no question. One question I want to follow that up with, you know, now with the transfer portal, I know the you know, fans are all into the whole transfer portal. Um, Marshall predominantly you've you've recruited you know high school kids juco kids in the past like what is like is there a ratio of what you're looking for as far as hey i still want to recruit the high school kids but bring in a couple veterans like how how are you going about it at marshall yeah i I think this is something that um you know every, every coach is 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 battling you know last year when it first opened up um you know we signed 36 players in my first class here last year um and probably only six of those were transfer portal or junior college kids. Um, so we brought in a heavy crop of, of high school kids. Well, when you really start to look at it, I think there's going to be a, a shift in kind of what you do by year. It's really going to be based on what you're losing and what's behind it to replace. And when I say what's behind it to replace, yeah, we brought in 30 freshmen, but are those freshmen ready to step in and be starters today or tomorrow? Um, are those freshmen going to be ready to step in and be starters when they become sophomores? So I think when you start to lose pieces of your, you know, your program, I think that's where your balance is going to come. I don't think any school is going to be able to say, Hey, we're going to be 60, 40, or we're going to be two to one. I think each year it's going to, it's going to change. You know, when you get a freshman that comes in and, you know, by his sophomore year, he's really, you know, developed and he's really ready to take a major step in, in playing time and a bigger role, you may not go out and get a transfer guy. But if you're looking at a hole in your roster and you're saying, hey, man, we'd be really, really good if we had an older safety or we had an older D lineman. Um, so I think it's going to change year to year. Um, I think it's going to be based on, one, how fast the freshman you do bring in develop. And then, two, how big of a hole do you have in your roster? You know, so this year, um, you know, we'll, we'll probably, you know, after we get a chance to evaluate these 30 freshmen, we'll probably midway through the year kind of say, okay, where we think we're going to be, um, you know, right now we're, we're probably one or two pieces away that we probably need to go to the portal and find those pieces next year. We may be four pieces away. You, you just don't know. And I, and I don't think any coach has a real grasp on it. I think what is also going to happen is, as you know, um, everybody loves you, right? until you're not winning. So when you, as a coach, when you feel like, hey, we have to win, I think that's going to change how many high school guys you take versus portal guys. Um, Obviously, um, an older player is, you know, a better player because they're more experienced. They know, you know, physically they're ready to do certain things. Um, So I think it's going to change. It's going to be a yearly thing, program to program. Yeah, I I just think you got to be, and me personally, I think you got to be very careful. There's a fine line with these transfer kids, why they're transferring. I, you know, I had spoken to one SEC coach 
And I asked him about one of the players leaving and he goes, fish, the kid can't play. I go, well, he can't play at an SEC school or he goes, no, he just can't play. I don't care where he goes. The kid's not going to be able to play at that next school. I said, well, and we went back and forth. He goes, trust me. He goes, we're using it kind of to honestly cut some of these kids. And I know that's hard, but that's just a reality of, um, you know, the transfer portal now that that's given coaches that ability, especially at the higher level, they could process kids out. So I think from your standpoint, you guys got to be careful that you're bringing in somebody that is better than what you have now, you know? Yeah. And, and, and you don't know, right. Because I mean, it's, it's, it's the transfer portal kids name goes in, you try to do some research and you try to make a decision in a couple of weeks, but you don't know. And and I think, and I think a lot of times it it creates, and and I think, I think the transfer portal is good because I do think um, there are some pros, there are some cons. I, I think it's good because it gives, it gives young men an opportunity to put themselves in the best situation. And the generation that we're dealing with now, um, they, they, if, if they think in their mind that they're in a good situation, they're going to be better off than being in a better situation, but in their mind thinking they're not. So you, you, you can't argue that. When you and I played, if coach said run through the wall, you ran through the wall. You didn't question what the team across the street was doing. Coach said run through the wall, you ran through the wall. Well, the generation that we're in based on social media and branding and, and everything so individualized, and it's what about me? What, what's the best for me? If mentally the kid is in a better spot, even if the situation is worse, it's better for the kid. And then from a coaching perspective, if a kid is not going to play, well, you give him the opportunity to go somewhere where he's going to play. It's not, it's not a, oh, well, we're cutting kids or we're running kids off. Hey, son, I don't think you're ever going to play here because you're not fast enough, you don't work hard enough, or you don't fit what we do. We're a triple, triple option uh, offense, and you're a drop-back quarterback. Am I running that kid off, or am I giving that kid an opportunity to go play somewhere else? So I think there are pros and cons. I just think we need to do a better job of educating these young men of, okay, once you go in the portal, what does that really mean? How is that affecting your academic, you know, track and success? Okay, what are you looking for in the portal? Are you just looking for it to be re-recruited? Are you looking for a spot where you're going to go in and have an opportunity to play depth chart-wise? Are you looking for NLI um, endorsements? What are you looking for? And I think we got to have a better kind of guidance because they're still kids right and we're supposed to be the adults so you know we, we gave them this vehicle but we really didn't give them any kind of like driver's ed <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> so i think there's some positive but i do think that we, we got to do a better job with our education for these young men i'm interested to see and you guys may want to do a podcast on this and, and pause it four years from now okay what is the academic graduation success rate going to look like because of the portal? Kid well, goes in the portal last year or this year, right, as a true freshman or a sophomore. Well, whenever you transfer, you lose credits. So it doesn't matter if you transfer across the street or you whatever. You're going to lose credits. Well, are these kids going to be academically in a position to graduate in four years? That's 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 where, you know, it's one of these things where we don't know what's going to happen. We've got to wait and see. But to me, that's where there's going to be a lot of issues. In four years, there's going to be kids who should have already graduated 
that are not going to be in position to graduate because of them transferring or having to change majors or, you know, dropping this class or this many credits didn't carry over. How is that going to affect them? Well, I I looked at the transfer portal. I think last year, 13 or 1400 kids went in it. I think only 30% signed or less signed with new schools. So those numbers are, they're going to, they're going to be eye opening. And I think that I I'm starting to, I've, I've brought this up. Do the mentors, do the former head coaches in high school, do they sit there and say, Hey, listen, you better have a better opportunity across the street or have it locked down because you may just be thrown out in the street and never find another school again. I mean, the numbers don't lie like over 70% of the kids that went in the portal did not sign with another school. That's so scary. Graduate. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always curious of where those thousand that, didn't sign where'd they go i mean they yeah. went somewhere they had to have gone somewhere i don't think they just went out of football they went they might have went to an nai school or to juco or to, if they could go back to junior college but i'm just you know that's the thing with the portal is like we really only hear about the fbs to fbs kids that go through the portal or the fbs to some fcs programs but once you get to the lower divisions that's where a lot of them are headed and that's where we just they kind of just you know, just kind of fade through the, uh, you know, you know, the portal can be a black hole too. It reminds me of that, that Dr. Pepper commercial. Where the kids just jumping through there. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe you come out, maybe you don't. You know? Yeah, and I think that's. I mean, that's that's. Those are all the things, right? We we started this college football thing as an opportunity to give young men um, an opportunity to get an education, you know, for free, right? Through the through the town of playing football and educating them about life and educating them about how much, you know, a college degree could help set them up for life and all those things. And well, where are those thousand? I mean, are they still getting a free education? Are they still getting the guidance that, you know, they're supposed to get? Are they just, like you say, in a black hole at home, taking a semester off, waiting? What are they doing? Um, you know, if you go from a SEC school to an NAIA school, that's a drastic change. That's a lifestyle change. Um, and that's no knock to, you know, any NAI school. It's no different than if you go from a SEC school to Marshall. There are things that you're going to have, resources that you're going to have in an SEC school that Marshall we just aren't going to have. But for these kids, it's it's easy for, you know, an adult to be able to make that change, right? You go from a job you're making, you know, $80,000, you're making $60,000, you, you adjust, right? You adjust your lifestyle, you adjust your family, you say, hey, we can't go out the roof, Chris, every night. We got to go once a week now. But for kids, not all of them have been conditioned to make those changes. And I think a lot of um, a lot of these young men are being put in situations where they're not conditioned to make the change. And it's ultimately um, setting them back. Coach, if you could take me to Ruth Chris once a week, I'll take once a month, man. You come down here. <laughs> you take well, me mean, once you, a month. You, you, you I'll back, man. I mean, come on. I mean, I, I'm not in the same tax bracket as you now, Coach. All right? No, man, come on, no. Man. Well, well, I mean, we. I know you go because you always invite me when I'm down there. You just don't take the rest of the guys, which I see how it is. Yeah, it's all good. Well, hey, I'm, I'm waiting for you me. to come down. You know? well, I'm not going to fish takes me to Ponderosa. I don't oh, know what that's, 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 hey, that's about hey, him. Hey, I know. Listen, I may be Jewish, but I have a good taste in food, man. Like, I can't Ponderosa now. I ain't happy, man. I'm gonna <laughs> you, come on, Corey. I may take you to Duffy's. Well, I ain't <laughs> taking <laughs> you to Ponderosa. You're funny, man. Coach, 
Coach, uh, part of our, uh, you know, we're, we're part of the uh, FNF Coaches uh, Podcast Network, and that uh, that publication reaches thousands of coaches uh, across all 50 states, uh, high school coaches, high school football coaches. Uh, the one thing we want to ask, you want to ask every coach who takes part in our podcast is giving a little bit of advice to, the, to pass down to those coaches that are, you know, grinding away out there in high schools that are trying to get their kids to camps and get them to uh, – and get them exposure. What are some advice that you have for these coaches? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is you, you gotta have um, you gotta have a plan, right? And 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 that sounds as simple as it as it can be. I think obviously you gotta evaluate your school's resources. You gotta evaluate your your community resources. There are a lot of uh, untapped resources in these communities to kind of help. Um, fund some of these things, right? You're trying to get, you know, a van to take, you know, kids to 10 camps, you know, and, and you're trying to figure out how you can get them there financially. There, there, there's a lot of uh, untapped resources in a lot of these school boards and a lot of these school systems. Um, so you got to have a plan. You got to ask the right people. Um, you know, I think ultimately, um, you know, you got to get them to camp because again, with transfer portal, with, exp, uh, you know, recruiting being sped up. I think, again, it's, it's, it's more important now for the college coaches to see these kids live. Um, I think another thing that you can do that I don't think a lot of, um, I don't think a lot of high school coaches may tap into, let's just say you have, you know, let's just say you have 10 kids on your team that are getting recruited by, um, you know, schools right at any level um i think now with the travel camps um it's a way to say hey coach i'm gonna go to and i'll just use you know somewhere close we're, we're gonna be at the um camp on you know june the 8th okay i know you want to see uh, mike and johnny and, and 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 eric um obviously coach we can't get them all the way to marshall um, you know, but if you, if you guys are going to be at UM on June 8th, I'll make sure they're there. You know, Hey, we're, we're going to be able to go to, uh, the university of Florida camp on June the 15th coach. I know you may not be able, uh, we, we can't get all our kids to Marshall coach, but I know you're really interested in these two guys. Um, if you're going to be at a camp, I can make sure those two guys get to a camp closer. That's what we do a lot to try and help. Um, because again, until you get it really, you know, you see the kid, are you really, you know, high on him, you know, is he fast as you think? Is he, you know, um, does he move as well? Is he stiff? Does he have, you know, good instincts? You know, those types of things you see in camp. So what we do a lot is when we're recruiting outside the radius and, you know, it makes it difficult for coaches to, you know, get, you know, a kid to every camp, we'll say, hey, coach, we're going to be at UM's camp. We're going to be at Florida's camp. We're going to be at South Florida's camp on these dates. Um, you know, that's four hours from you versus, you know, 10 or 12 can you make sure that, you know, Mike and Johnny get over to that camp so we can see them? I think that that's just being creative, um, especially, and I'm speaking from our level, right? If you're at Alabama, the kid's probably going to find a way to get to Alabama if he's got an offer. Um, and then the last thing I think is, which is really good um, for high school coaches to do is be realistic. Um, if you have a group of five kids, don't, don't, don't waste your resources and time going to LSU just using that as an example, you, you got to be realistic, you know, take your kids where they have a legitimate chance to be recruited. Um, and that doesn't mean if, if, 
you know, if, if UM is right across the street, that that may be easier. But don't take your kids all the way out to Southern Cal if, if, if you've never heard from Southern Cal. That, that's a waste of resources. You know, now, if, if Coach Riley is highly on one of your guys, then you got to make make this sacrifice to get him there. But be realistic, you know, be realistic to to better serve your resources and to give your kids a better chance. Corey, he just explained why everybody needs to get my service, all right? Man, he just set me up, man. Yeah, for elite scouting services as I've ever heard. I love it. We're gonna we're gonna tell our producer Justin Otto to just clip that part out. And we're going to turn it into a little promotional campaign. Thank you, yeah, much. And you know what? I, I don't even need I don't even need an NLI for it, guys. You man, guys that's all good, I'll, man. I'll, I'll I'll write it off as uh, as a nonprofit. All right, man. Whatever, <laughs> man. We're all good. But hey, coach, you know what? I really appreciate uh, you coming on. I know you're you have a busy week up next, and uh, we'll talk after that. Uh, I'll be harassing you in the next couple months. Uh, but I I really appreciate you coming on, especially uh, to our podcast. We've had you know a lot of coaches on head coaches and we we love that you came on and and look forward to speaking to you again and good luck this year um you know i know spring football's coming up uh you guys probably you have a good group of kids returning and you know we wish you nothing but the best as far as next season goes so awesome man well i appreciate you guys and if there's ever anything i could do um please you know let me know um again i appreciate you guys having me on i know you guys have a lot of different options but i appreciate making the cut <laughs> uh, uh, coach before you go uh social media how can uh, how can how can prospective prospects and angry parents reach you on social media through twitter and instagram and i'm sure you got a tiktok every coach is a tiktok now yeah no i, I don't have a tiktok i gotta figure <laughs> that, that out my, my coach needs to learn how to dance man. Yeah, my, my nine-year-old has been begging me for a TikTok account. I don't even have one. <laughs> uh, but um, you, you can definitely reach me at Coach Huff on Twitter. Um, and, you know, just at Coach Huff. It should be a picture of me and the Marshall deal there and reach out to me. And then I believe my Instagram is um, – let me see. It's yeah, – this is where I got to go. I don't even know the dang on thing. Um, there it is. Instagram is chuff59. Um so definitely reach out to me on there and you can call our office here, um, you know, here at Marshall at herdzone.com and get all our emails and anything like that. Um, but please, if you got good players, we'll, we'll, we'll take them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, coach. We appreciate it. This was very entertaining, very informative. I love how in depth you were able to go in on several subjects and we always really appreciate that. We know the coaches that listen to this podcast really appreciate getting this sort of information from the top head coaches in the college game so they know how to better serve their prospects thank you guys man wish you guys the best have a good week and, I'm uh, a, I'll, I'll send you the links and stuff and you can put it out on your social media once we got it all worked up it should be the next day or two so perfect hey Corey, you, you'll send me that i know he won't know yeah I, i'll and, make sure to forward that to you i got yeah, your email i'll take to your one Thank you. (laughs) All right, guys. Appreciate you guys. Have a good weekend. Thank you very much, Coach. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Charles Huff joining the Fishcast. What a a great guest. What a what a wow! My God, he gave us so much good information. Oh yeah, that was a great show, man. So yeah, I mean, you know, I love you know love having guests like that. That really like he was able to really you know pull back the curtain a little bit and say you know, and I, I think that's. 
for 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 prospects out there, for coaches, for parents, for kids that are thinking about transferring, you all got something out of that out of that interview because he really does tell you a lot of the thought process. A lot of coaches don't want they want to hide the thought process like it's you know they want to keep it in some suitcase like it's the nuclear power code or something. But I always appreciate the coaches that are willing to pull back the curtain a little bit and say this is this is how we're thinking. This is how we this is how we process. No, no doubt. I think he's done a good job. He continued to do a good job, and it was great to have him on. And and for other college coaches, hey, we've had a great list of coaches, and um, you can make the cut as well. So, just, absolutely, uh, reach out to us, and we'd love to have you on. Absolutely. Well, it's a Sunday, so I'm going to get back to what I do on Sunday, which is take naps. And <laughs> I'm sure you're going to. Yeah, you have baseball practice today. Uh, baseball's cut off for a while. I'm going to go to, uh, this green market. You know, my wife works at supposedly Shaquille O'Neal is going to be there. So we'll see, man. So, Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You gotta, 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 gotta keep her in the folder. They want Shaq to scoop her up. I don't know if Shaq wants that problem. Dude, though. trust me. <laughs> he don't, he don't want any of that, man. That shit will, <laughs> that, that, that success stream will go right off the trails. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, Another great episode of FishCast. We love it. Our producer is Justin Otto. Thank you to the FNF Coaches Talk Podcast Network for all the great distribution. Thank you to Coach Charles Hub for showing up and providing a lot of wonderful information. As always, you can reach us at The Fish Podcast on Twitter. Fish, have a great rest of the week, buddy. See you later, man. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.